episode of Expressions of Podcast. Uh, we are on episode number 12, and I have a very special guest with us today. It's Claire Tew. And uh, she is actually an actress, a uh, YouTuber slash content creator, and now a filmmaker, which is super exciting. Um, and I believe you're probably the youngest guest we've ever had on the show. So really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not allowed to ask, so I won't. <laughs> no, okay. I can tell you. I can tell you. I'm 17. Oh wow! Yes. Wow. Okay. Very good. You, very accomplished. Very accomplished. Yeah. Um, so. I'm uh, super excited to have you on, this, on the show. But before we jump into the rest of the conversation, I just wanted to say hi to my co-hosts here. So uh, uh, how are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing excellent. Uh, had uh, inventory at work on the weekend, and it was uh, a long day, followed by an early morning, uh, which was tied together by a wonderful bout of insomnia. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Uh, that's usually time, inventory. That's how yeah, but by, by the time by the time yesterday was over, I was pretty punch drunk and uh, actually fell asleep on the couch watching TV, hugging a puppy. So if you're, gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna fall asleep, like you got your arms around the big dog, and that's it. I was there. And, uh, about an hour later, my wife wakes me up and says, "Are you gonna go to bed?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I think I am." Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So the puppy and I went up to bed, and, and of course she brought hers too, and we all went to bed. But it was fun. Puppies for everyone. That's yeah. <laughs> we have two. We each get one. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a great way to fall asleep. Just uh, yeah, it a puppy. Wonderful. He's warm and, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And how about you, Brian? How are you doing? Great. Um, I've had a lot of positive feedback from our episode that launched this morning with Jim Lowe. I don't know awesome. if you guys have had any feedback from that yet, but the Freedom of Expression episode apparently was quite well received. And that makes me extremely happy because the whole point of our show is to you know get people talking about how they're feeling and what they're doing and uh, freedom of expression is something that's very important to us and that episode was uh, excellent. It was a lot of fun talking with Jim. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be as fun as talking with Claire because you know Jim's this old guy and he's boring. Yeah, he's, a, he's an old guy like me. Yeah. But, no, no. But no. I, I'm I missed that episode because I, I remember that time I wasn't feeling well and I missed missed the recording. But I watched about half of it before I went to work this morning and. Uh, well, I guess I listened to half of it while I got ready, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the other half. But uh, I am super looking forward to talking with Claire this evening because I've, uh, for the second time in a year and a bit of doing these shows, I read the notes. So <laughs> I am super excited. Like I'm seeing, like I see filmmaking all over the place, and uh, in screenwriting, and um, uh, James Cameron. Uh, can we oh, hashtag yeah, James Cameron? I see yeah. him in the notes here, so that's awesome. We'll, we'll well, talk about that later, but that'll be yeah. interesting. That'll be yeah, interesting. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, Claire, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, currently, I'm working on my first short film, like we kind of talked about. I have always loved filmmaking, but this is the first time I'm doing the real, like, full production type of thing. And we're gonna submit to a whole bunch of film festivals. It's a psychological thriller. I'm doing a lot of it. It's hard for me to not like have my foot in every single aspect of it. So I'm playing the lead character, but also directing. And I wrote the script. And I have an amazing producer that I'm working with. Her name's Shereen Francis. So she's been doing a lot of the pre-production heavy lifting. But I know that we're about to head into production and it's just gonna be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> extremely overwhelming, but super fun. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, it's one of my favorite types of movie psychological thrillers. I love them. Really? Yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing that when it comes out. Thank you. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your inspiration for creating a short film and maybe a little bit of background in that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, I mean, on the lines of my passions, I've always really loved filmmaking. A big reason is because of James Cameron. And when I was really young, I just was always obsessed with these worlds that he would create. And I feel like that's a really special thing that filmmakers can do is just bring you to this different world and this different universe. And I mean, I love going to the movies. That's like my favorite place to go. And so that's why I, I, I'm getting into filmmaking and that's why I've loved it for so long. But with this specific film, it's a psychological thriller about nostalgia. So basically it's based off of the feeling of moving out of a house. And I believe that houses hold so many memories and so many spirits in a way, even if the person didn't pass. And I feel like I moved around a lot. And in every time I moved, I felt like I left a piece of myself behind at the old house. And then simultaneously, we moved into this new neighborhood and none of the neighbors spoke to us. And it was almost creepy. Like they were looking through us, like the sixth sense type of thing. And I, I really wanted to branch off of that. So I tied the two ideas together. And so the movie is called Stained. I don't know if I should give away the twist, but it's really cool. And the, it's just based off of the idea of not letting go of the past and a version of yourself and a version of your life playing out at your old house while something else is happening in the present. Interesting twist. Very wow. cool. Very so cool. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I'll be, you. I, I'm really interested to, to see that. So why, um, just, uh, and again, it's a genre that I love, but James Cameron, he has some twists and things like that in, in his movies, but nothing psychological like that. Why did you yeah. go with psychological thriller over, um, I mean, James Cameron's, a lot of his work is almost documentary, even like Avatar is, is more like a documentary about, you know, the, the planet of Pandora and, and the mining that went on there, but why did you choose psychological thriller? Well, I think that James Cameron has a big part to play in my life just in I was super obsessed with his movies and he was the person who made me realize that I wanted to be a director. But when it came to my inspiration for the genre, honestly, I feel like I took a lot from Tim Burton, who's also one of my favorite directors. Very cool. He's Very really cool. good at creating different worlds. I've watched Coraline like a gazillion times <laughs> and all of his other movies and just the feeling like I've never been able to recognize the style of a director so much as with Tim Burton. So I really want to do that with my movies too. And just like not the same style, but like have a unique distinct style so that people can recognize that it's my film. And so I feel like he's a huge reason why I went with this like bordering fantasy type of genre but then also in quarantine i was always looking for a good psychological thriller because that is my favorite genre as well and i found that there were a lot of like mediocre ones like they were okay but the twists were just either really predictable or super random and i feel like i really wanted to almost make the movie that i was looking to find i get well, that yeah that is cool that is really really cool i'm You've got me excited now. When oh good. When do you think? Because obviously you're about to go into production. What what's your timeline? Do you have a, a release date in mind? 
Uh, well, not the exact date, but I think we're going to release mm. in like mid September, almost like Halloween fall season. And um, yeah, just we're going to have an official release party, but then also we'll submit to a whole bunch of film festivals and mm -hmm. hopefully get in them and take it from there. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I have to keep, you'll have to keep us updated as to what festivals they'll be in that uh, that people can go and see your film. And by people, I mean me because I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. uh, Thank you. You know, it might might be difficult. I'm not sure they do a film festival in Thunder Bay where I live, so I may have to travel to get to one. But, uh... <laughs> Thank you. I think that a lot of them are streaming online as well right now, so that's nice. Very cool. So I can watch it right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. I'm just looking at these notes as well. And one of the things I see, your top five moments that you're proud of, in fourth grade, you directed your first large cast feature film. It's kind of cheesy to look back on now, but the way I wrote the script, scheduled the shooting, <laughs> yeah. directed a bunch of hyper classmates, and then edited it at nine years old. Okay, it's cheesy to look back on and think at nine years old, you're no, no, no. It's badass that you were able to do this. I mean... <laughs> Good on you for having the yeah. drive, the determination, um, and the and the ideas even to do it. And then something I want to know, though, is how do you get into the production of these things? Like, who do you know that gave you the avenue to get in and do this? Or did you just create the avenue yourself? Well, I kind of created the avenue myself because I grew up in a town where nobody did this. <clears throat> He was super strange. Like everybody thought I was weird, but it's okay because I got A pluses on video projects. So, <laughs> I mean, everybody wanted to be in my group, but it was very different. And so I feel like, like I really just saw that as an escape. So, and like my, my outlet. So I had like all the equipment, my mom would buy me everything that I needed. But then when it came to doing professionally, like what I'm doing now, this is my first time doing it with like real actors. But basically I'm doing it through something called the Actra Co-op because I'm a union actress. I joined one of their webinars about how to make a film as an actress without having to go through too many like legal aspects and just be able to create in a different role. So I met Shireen, my producer, through one of their webinars and through the networking session and then she led to the next person who led to the next person. And then suddenly we had like a full crew and full cast. And it was Perfect. amazing. Like I've never <laughs> seen, it was ridiculous, but although it's sometimes overwhelming to think that I have so many people that like are depending on me and my vision, it's also kind of reassuring to think back to like fourth grade when I basically did this and remember that I can. Well, in fourth grade, you were dealing with a bunch of hyper kids now. You have people who are there specifically to listen to you and to take your direction and yeah. to, to bring your vision to life. That's got to be so exciting for you. It really is. It really is. That's awesome. Congratulations. That is, that is amazing. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Do you look at other directors and their film styles as well, like Kubrick or Hitchcock and these kinds of older things? Like when you say you when you were when you were younger, you listened to James Cameron. You're 17 now. Um, so yeah. what, that was last week that you were listening, you watched Cameron <laughs> on Ed's movies. But like when I think back to when I was younger, uh, The Shining is one of those movies that yeah. <clears throat> if you look into how The Shining was filmed with all natural light, like 2.8 aperture lenses, the look and the feel of that movie. And then you look in the, the video of how they actually made the movie behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. They don't make movies like that anymore. 
do you look at stuff mm -hmm. like that and think I could use techniques from that along with the techniques of the modern digital era? Cause I mean, it's so much different now making a movie with digital. Yeah. Um, like when I first started selling cameras and camcorders, there were character generators that you had to plug in with RCA jacks and you had to, you oh. know, there were all kinds of different modules that you had to buy just to put happy birthday across the screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, nowadays you have computers where you can just drag and drop and cut and edit and it's even mm -hmm. I can do it. So do you, do you look back at those older filmmakers and, and borrow ideas from them to use in what you do today? It's really interesting that you say that actually, because I was just talking to someone and saying that I really admire um, 80s and 90s movies and just the way that they're made, not necessarily even just by how real they look, but like just the way that they really let the acting shine. And I feel like as an actor, well, as a director who is also an actor, I really want to focus on that in my movies because I find that a big thing that they do, and especially like movies like Rear Window and The Sixth Sense and all the movies that I took a lot of inspiration from, they really just like hold on the characters and let the audience feel what they're feeling instead of doing a whole bunch of jump cuts and Quick switch cuts. and B-roll yeah. and like, yeah, like, I love those movies too, but for psychological thrillers and for horror and for suspense, I really love the dragginess that I feel like you can really only find in old movies. So I really want to do that with this movie as well. And also it's ironic you mentioned Hitchcock because, well, Rear Window, but also my nickname in sixth grade was Hitchcock because of this. <laughs> love it. In sixth grade. Sixth grade, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I can say on air what my nickname was in sixth grade. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't very nice, anyway. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Mine was BJ. Brian oh. Jonathan. Yeah, but when you go to high school okay. with the name BJ, you change it very quickly. Just saying. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, um, so Claire, I wanna talk to you a little bit about um, your path to becoming an actress because I took a look at your IMDb page and you worked on Working Moms and continuously worked on Working Moms. Um, you were in a, a Star Trek TV show, you're um, in a bunch of different things. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, when I was younger, I always wanted to be an actress and I became a filmmaker just so that I can act in my movies. Then I fell in love with filmmaking as well. But I never knew the road to get there. And I never knew that it was almost as simple as just finding an agent and booking a meeting and talking to them. And that's exactly what I did but it was in the small town. So they didn't really have many connections. They were really quick to take me though. And I did a lot of aggressive auditioning at the very beginning. I was 11 and I did a lot of auditioning and I booked a really good role actually on a show called The Detail, which didn't get picked up for season two, but it's a really good cop drama with Sinead Grimes and Angela Griffin. It was my first time on a real set, but it was an insane, amazing, experience. I was the daughter of the lead character. The whole audition process is actually another story which I can tell you about in a second. But anyway, um, it was an amazing set and it was an amazing experience. And I just made friends with the producers and I ended up talking to one of the producers and she told me that I needed a different agent in Toronto who could 
get me more roles and had more connections. So I ended up um, switching to Sinead Grimes' agent, who I'm still with, Amanda Rosenthal, who's amazing. And then she led me to Star Trek and Working Moms and all of the other things that I've done. Awesome. Thank you. And I guess that's how you got into because you're a part of an actors union. Yeah, actra. Okay, that's awesome. So I want to kind of learn a little bit about, I guess, um, what was it like, maybe the first time getting introduced into uh acting or uh being an actress maybe looking from the perspective of somebody maybe who wants to kind of get into that um and uh share a little bit about that and maybe some of your favorite moments as well okay yeah (laughs) well huh okay well i will say working on the detail was pretty intimidating because it was my first time on a set and it was a huge set and it's a CTV drama and big actors who I was already a fan of and I was just kind of nervous. But also at the beginning of my career, I just come out of doing musical theater. So my acting style was very theatrical and that was a huge reason why I almost didn't book the role because in the audition, this is the audition process story, um, in the audition I was too like, out there and I couldn't take the note to calm down because I didn't understand what they were saying. So they were like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, you know, you just didn't get it. And then I went home and my mom randomly walked up to me and started a conversation. And then like five minutes later, she played back our conversation so that I could hear what I spoke like normally. So that in the audition, I could send another video of me doing the audition in my normal voice because I couldn't understand that the differentiation between the theatrical voice and the normal voice. So I did the audition again, and then I got a callback. And then in the callback, I still didn't do it right. And I did the theatrical thing again, but I ended up booking the role. And then on set, I worked with the directors and they got me to calm down basically. Um, but then after that, like I was extremely like flatlined with my acting. Like it's like in cop dramas, they're very matter of fact. And I feel like they don't show much emotion or much range. So like I was going too much at the beginning, but then I feel like for a long time, especially on that show, I didn't really show much emotion. And then in my next roles, I started picking back up and now I have my current acting style, which is like a mix of both. And then also you got to change for each genre. But I guess maybe because I was just really young when I came in, I didn't really think about all of those things. And I thought I would just like jump on set and be fine and do everything right. And I don't know. I feel like that's something that I feel like people should keep in mind is the genre when they're going into acting and especially if they're young to just kind of study the type of thing that they're going to be doing. Yeah. And that tip about how your mom like recorded you during the conversation and then played it back to you and explain like how you were doing it differently. Um, I think that's a really good tip that, you know, beginning, like uh, actors that are just, you know, uh, starting uh, can use for their performances. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a great way to like make notes. I've, I've heard of comedians like recording your set and, and looking back on that. And uh, I think that's a very similar kind of approach. So that's really, really neat. I think any, 
anybody who puts something out there as an image of themselves should always practice that. Um, in professional wrestling, you know, my world, I was doing portraits of wrestlers just last Saturday, and it's surprising how many people will get up and just kind of not know how to look or not know how to pose. When my wife walks into the room, she's like, well, you should really practice in a mirror. You know, just sit there and look at yourself. Get comfortable with what you look like and give your poses that way. In your world, that would be, you know, taking tapes of yourself and your theatric, theatrical or your normal voice and yeah. being able to kind of learn those different cues and see, oh, I shouldn't have done this. And I see how that sounds now from somebody else's ears. So being yeah. able to record yourself and as a musician too, you know, you play and you hear yourself back and you learn from everything. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a growing process for sure. Yeah. I found also in quarantine, like I've only been doing self tapes for the past couple of years and I've really enjoyed that. Um, because I get to watch myself back. And also because even though I did musical theater, I almost have stage fright with certain things. And like, even on a big set when everybody's watching you and it's like, okay, action, I'm like, like, I don't even know. It's so weird. I love acting and I love filmmaking. And it's very strange, but I guess just when you know that everyone's depending on you to deliver your lines and you have the cameras and all the lights and all the people and the other actors waiting for their cues, and another thing that I feel like people entering the acting world should know, especially as a kid actor, is you have so many things to do simultaneously. Like you have to hit a mark and then you have to say this line and then you have to look this way and you can't look this way. You can't go too far and you can't walk out of focus and you have to pick this up and do this thing. And like, there are so many things and then you have to match it with every shot. But it's like, it's so crazy. One scene I did, and I wasn't even a main character. One scene I did in the detail literally took all day. Mm. And it was like an insignificant scene. And it literally took all day because of all the setups and things. But it's just all day of having you think about, okay, at this point I opened the fridge. And at this point I look this way. And at this point I have to hit this invisible mark on the floor. Like they put tape on the floor to show you where you're supposed to go. But if they're doing a wide shot, then they break the tape down to be basically a speck that you have to be able to sense from your peripheral vision while delivering a line wow. to someone else. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. So I feel like that's probably why I get stage fright. It's because when the cameras are rolling, I'm like, shoot. So many things I... to remember, yeah. Yeah. I would die, yeah. my memory is horrible, I'd be done. <laughs> I, I would just, what was that first thing again? Sorry, I'm done. Send him home. Send him home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, I mean, you've worked um, as an actress on many different shows and, and now you're acting on your own short film and you do these YouTube videos as well um, for content creation and it, it takes time to to find your flow and, and get used to your acting style and, and uh, really become a part of the genre, genre you're acting in. I think it's totally normal for people to get stage fright and to feel overwhelmed at, at times like this, because uh, as you said, it's almost an impossible amount of things to remember and it has to be yeah. consistent. You take one take in, in a tight shot and then you have to repeat the same action, motion, words, you know, uh, slight body posture change um, yeah. in every single take. Um, so yeah. I think it's normal to feel like that for sure. And uh, I think it's important for aspiring actors and actresses to know that too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What was it like working on Star Trek set? 
Oh my gosh, it was the best experience of my life. Um, so basically, I would think that. Jonathan, I would yeah, think that instantly. It's as amazing as you think. It's seriously crazy. So I was playing the younger version of someone and I was a hologram. So it was like a hologram yearbook that one of the lead characters was looking back on and then my scene was there. So the director for my episode was Jonathan Frakes. So I was already like, oh Number my one. God, my parents are a huge fan of that. Like, oh my gosh. It was just, that was That's already so cool. amazing. But then they design a custom suit for you. So I've never seen anyone take so many measurements before. Usually they just get like a general, like the casting, or not the casting, the wardrobe people will email you and ask for general sizes and things. And then they just go out and shop for you. And then you do a fitting. But with Star Trek, I think I had like two or three fittings with like top of the line wardrobe people. I'm pretty sure they won an Oscar. And wow. they literally took so many measurements because it was a suit. Like it was a full zip up. Only I can wear that suit. I have never seen so many measurements. And my mom is a seamstress and her mom is a home ec teacher. So she's like, this is amazing. Like I've never seen this. This is so cool. So I went in, they're extremely nice. Um, did a bunch of fittings and then like three days before shooting, they randomly sprung on me that I have to do a Bayesian accent, which I've never done. It's not on my resume. I don't know why I didn't know that in the audition phase. Oh, but even the audition was like encrypted. Like it, the script would automatically disappear after like 24 hours of having it open and you needed a passcode to get in just to audition, just to audition. Wow. It was oh, insane. Secrets. And I wasn't even, yeah, I know. So that was the lead up. And then when I booked it, it was under a code name too. And then I booked it and then it was like, I booked it in math class at school. I was in eighth grade and it was like, oh my gosh, like only my best friend knew. And I was So like, you were in math crazy. class when you found out. Yeah, Aww. it was the most crazy thing. And then I proceeded to have the most amazing experience. I worked with an amazing dialect coach who I cannot even believe all the subtleties. She pinned my mom's accent in like a second and she knew exactly where she came from. And my mom, like, she's just American. Like she's from New York and then changed to have a Canadian accent when she moved. But the dialect coach could tell she was from New York and then she moved, like she guessed. I couldn't wow. believe how amazing she was. Those are so stuff. anyway, we got the Bayesian accent down in three days and we would like practice while like passing a ball so that I could do it while doing other things. And, right. and it was very cool. It was very, I could not do it now, but it was very cool then. But the techniques that you learn that, along the way help you. I mean, we had Tally Roden on our show. Uh, she's a stunt woman who's been in lots of movies in Vancouver. Um, if you need a stunt person for your movie, I do recommend Tally, by the way. She's awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, Thank you. She was saying how all, everything, every skill she learns is another tool in her toolbox. And, you know, every, every training course that she can go on and every opportunity to learn, you know, martial arts or doing flips and acrobatics and all these different things they're just another tool in her toolbox you started so young are you gaining those tools on the job or are you also taking uh, workshops and you know all these other things on the side as well yeah well i feel like a, a huge way for me to learn is by doing it 
so I have learned a lot of things just by being on set and people watching. Um, but also, I really love Masterclass. I, James Cameron just came out with a Masterclass, which obviously I watched and I'm mm. going to watch again. But I really love that type of thing, like visual learning. And other than that, no, I mostly just learned on the job. Nice. So you mentioned like the webinars earlier. I, I was curious if, I guess, with Brian's question, any of the webinars that you've done, is it mostly for networking or are, is there like a, a, a knowledge aspect to it as well? Um, the act, Actually, the only webinar I did was the actor co-op one. Oh, okay. Where I met Shireen. And then also Shireen, she naturally teaches as she goes, which is why she's ironically playing my mom in the movie. And I feel like we have that relationship already and it's really cool. That so anyway, she's awesome. an aspiring producer and she knows exactly what she's doing. And so as we go, she just like shows me what she's doing. And we joke all the time that she's giving me a crash course. And it's pretty nice. I love being a homeschool student. I'm always looking for opportunities to learn just in life. So, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. It was about school because you're 17. Um, yeah. when, when, so you found you got the Star Trek role when you were in math class. So at that point, you were still in regular school. And now you've yeah. switched to homeschool so that you can, yeah. I'm assuming, do it on the fly and still be on set somewhere and, um, yeah. and get your work done. <clears throat> Which is, takes a special dedication to both right because uh, you it's easy to sort of oh well I'll, I'll get the school done later but then maybe there's going to be something more fun so you're gonna <laughs> really have to be dedicated to both the craft as well as the learning to get it done so kudos yeah. to you for getting, doing that so yeah and to that point as well i mean i remember when i was 17 years old i was living in vermont i was finding any opportunity to slack off that i possibly can I, yes, I tried, I tried to make some commercials. I had a VHS camcorder that I put on my shoulder and tried to make like an ice ski sunglasses commercial with my friend Scott and tried to make a horror oh. movie. Um, but oh, yeah. nothing serious. And, and I could not imagine my mindset at that point being so professional to, you know, be at the level you're at now. I mean, you've obviously been doing this since you were very young, 11 years old yeah. at least. So we're talking a good eight, 10 years probably you've been doing this kind of work. Um, uh, yeah, I've never thought about that. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. So I think it's impressive. And I'm very, very happy that you chose to come on our show because uh, the main point, the reason that Mark, Aurora, myself and Ryan started this podcast is because we were having a lot of trouble being creative people and having nothing to do at the beginning of COVID situation, lockdown and quarantine. Um, as creative people, we were starting to go a little bit crazy and, you know, we, we tried to do something where we can talk to people like yourself who are passionate, creative people who want to do more and want to um, share what they're doing and so on. Um, what impressed me with what you're doing is, first of all, your age, but secondly, to the level that you're doing it. I mean, to make a movie, to have producers, to have agents, to have all these things, obviously family had to be a big help with this. I mean, you've mentioned your mom a few times. Um, mm -hmm. What role did your family have to get you here? Did, were you the person that said, I want to do this? And your mom was like, okay, here's cameras. Here's stuff. Go do it. <laughs> like, is that the yeah. kind of support you had? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yay, mom. Yay, mom. Yeah, she was, she was pretty amazing. I mean, 
she was recording like all of my childhood from birth on a camcorder. And I guess there's literally videos of me where I, I'm at, at six and I'm starting to ask to use the camcorder. Like, can I try? So she basically taught me how you to right start away. doing that. And I've never thought about that until just now, but it's true. And then I think for Easter, she bought me my first camcorder and my dad and I would like try different effects. And I mean, there was only so much you can do on a camcorder back then, but like, it was just like trying different things and having lots of fun. And then my mom started realizing that this is, this is my favorite thing. Like I'm not, I'm probably not going to be a sports star and I'm probably not going to do like any of the other kids stuff or, you know, go to camp or anything. Like I, I just want cameras and editing programs. And literally the amount of editing programs she's gotten for me is insane. <laughs> but there have been a lot. There have been a lot. Uh, give us a rundown. Yeah. Camera gear and programs. What are, you, what are you using right now? Right now? Um, I have a Canon. It's Aurora, you probably remember. It's I don't know where it is, but... Oh, uh, right you have a Canon, I'm pretty sure, Rebel series camera. Um, yeah. And we just got you that portrait lens. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the Feutech stabilizer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you also have a Sony interchangeable lens camera, which I believe Brian actually sold to you. I did. Along with me. Yeah. Uh, at the Newmarket store. I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, right but on. at the time you bought it, I think you <laughs> bought it during um, during like the time we were curbside pickup. Yes, I remember. Yes. So you talked to Brian on the phone, and then I, um, I like dealt with the the mm -hmm. in person part of the transaction. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, this one, this one, <laughs> she's awesome. Look at her remembering everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. Really, you have a really good memory. My gosh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I'm using that, and I edit with Final Cut. That's where I've been since I'm um, fifth grade. I've been using That's what Final I use. Cut. Mm -hmm. it's amazing it is you can do anything if you know how to do it yeah <laughs> yeah so many cool things well i'm i'm very impressed and i'm really happy that you're you're pursuing all these things the way you are i hope you don't stop i really don't what's next for you are you going to go to university for this are you like what's what's the next thing for you well, I have thought about different avenues with college and university, but in the pandemic, I realized I can learn a lot from home mm -hmm. and also just from doing it. So currently I'm doing lots of master classes, you know, trying to find different books and things and also just doing it. I might do some sort of course down the road, but for now I'm just working on my film and then I want to pitch it as a feature film to streaming services like Crave and things like that and then just keep going down that avenue. I have a lot of ideas along the lines of Stained and I just wanna keep working on this while I have momentum. And then also I'm about to turn 18 this year and that opens a lot of doors as an actress because you can work overtime because you're a legal adult. Mm. So typically that's why they hire 18 plus year olds to play teenagers and things like that. And right now I'm at this weird age where it's hard to book something because I'm not quite there. But like, I'm so close. And so when I turn 18, I really actually want to go down to Los Angeles and just do a lot of aggressive auditioning, meeting casting directors. I have a manager out there. So yeah, that's nice. my plan. Well, you're on top of it. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. I was just thinking you were talking about how great your mom was with everything and, you know, 
obviously your mom dropping you off to set and things. And I'm thinking like, what sort of a flex is that for your mom where most are like, Oh, you know, I got to take my, my kid to the hockey rink or to, you know, they've got gymnastics <laughs> or something. And oh, yeah, I'm just dropping my, my daughter off at the movie set today. <laughs> yeah. That's there for her. Yeah. But that, that's awesome. Um, because knowing how movies work, you know, having some friends in the industry as well, the, the movie set isn't at the local community center. It's, you know, uh, three towns over in a, you know, abandoned building somewhere that you've got to get to at 3 a.m. or something weird like that. You're so right. Time is, yeah. So, so that's uh, kudos to your mom for, for supporting that as much as she did. And uh, obviously, you know, buying equipment and investing in editing programs and things. Uh, again, thinking back to when I was 17, I, I had a hard time getting my mom to buy me a, a pair, a decent pair of shoes because I burned through them. Forget fire <laughs> A mirrorless inter- interchangeable lens format camera. It was, you know, you wouldn't it wouldn't happen. So you know, kudos to your mom. <laughs> Thank you. I'll tell her that she's gonna love to hear that. Yeah. And your dad too. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Forget yeah. that. He's he's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. What movie did you go to the theater? And actually, uh, get so excited and inspired by that when you left, you just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was for me. I'm just going to give you a, a backstory here. When I was younger, okay. I happened to be in Florida for the opening night of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. My brother took me to see Indiana Jones on opening night, and it was the most incredible thing I'd ever been through. If you've seen the movie. It's just a nonstop roller coaster ride from start to finish. I left that theater thinking I could just walk on air. I could jump through walls. <laughs> I could do, I could grab a snake and I can take a spider and I could just, ah, you know, it, that's the feeling I got when I watched that movie. Have you ever seen a movie that made you kind of that passionate when you left the theater? You're just like, ah, snakes and spiders. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, that's hard. I've been to see a lot of movies, but. Honestly, I think any Marvel movie has done that for me, especially Spider-Man. I'm obsessed with all of the Spider-Men and like forever, since forever. And I know it's totally a different track than what I've been talking about this entire time, but I really love Marvel movies and I really feel pumped up after watching a Marvel movie. What is it about Spider-Man that gets people so excited? Because our other guests that we had, the Planet Pointless, Sean and John, Sean is a massive Spider-Man fan, like a yeah. massive Spider-Man fan. You can't say anything bad about Spider-Man to this guy. He, he will <laughs> argue it to the end of time. Yeah, like, he, what he is it about Spider-Man? He wasn't nice to me after I said something bad. I know, right? He almost <laughs> wanted to like leave the show. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, I think Spider-Man... Because like, he's a weak little Spider-Man. guy. He's just this little I know. Guy. I know. That's what my dad always says. But um, <laughs> the first Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire was the first marvel hero period like the first live action movie so i think that that's why i started watching them when i was five with my dad and then i guess just in those movies alone i really loved the romanticism of them like they weren't basic marvel movies where it's just action and like okay we have a mission and we got to solve it like he wasn't even part of the avengers like the toby Maguire movies we're just about Mary Jane and like his whole love thing with her and always trying to save her. And like, I feel like I honestly liked that part more 
And then I just loved also that he had powers on top of it. So I thought that was cool. But I don't know. I like I haven't heard anybody talk about Tobey Maguire until the Spider-Verse movie came out. Like I, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> but it's really cool that it's getting so much buzz again. Um, yeah, so Spider-Man has been one of my favorites too. I didn't mention this during the uh Planet Pointless podcast, but for me, one of the reasons why, well, two reasons why I kind of related to those movies a lot was, first of all, he's just a normal guy that just something happened to him and he became strong, right? And I think that's relatable. That could, you know, obviously the circumstances can't real, real, realistically happen to anybody. It's true. But... I've tried to be bitten by spiders many times and I've never gotten powers. It just bubbles yeah. up and it's never good. Never good. <laughs> But there's something about it's it's not so much about his power, but how he becomes a hero as like a person. And then the other aspect of that, he's a photographer, mm. right? Um, and to me, I kind of related to that aspect of of it as well. Like you know, the, the getting different camera angles and you know, uh, you know, just trying to make it as as a photographer, journalist, right? Um, so yeah, I guess that could be another. Cool. Uh, point to a lot of people too for yeah. to the photography aspect. <laughs> Never even thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he did two movies, right? Uh, three. Okay, so well, I saw the first two. Those are those. those <laughs> I saw where was his second one, um, but I haven't seen any Spider-Man since then. So. Yeah. He's my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah, she's offended. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? She's like, what? <laughs> you should well, watch them wait, now. Why haven't you watched any of the other ones? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. They just do not interest me. The superhero movies, I like anti-hero movies. Like the like Deadpool to me is a lot of fun. I like, awesome. I like I always like the anti-heroes. Deadpool, Spawn, um, Lobo. I don't know if you know who Lobo is or not, but I, I'm a fan. Spawn you, prob you probably don't want to want to read any of the book. They're pretty crass, but um, my wife introduced me to them because she's she likes comic books, but not really any of the superheroes either. Um, she liked the anti-hero, so that's sort of where I fell into. Probably the only, and I guess he's probably technically an anti-hero, the only one that I really liked was Wolverine, um, just because I thought it was cool. He had that skeleton and the claws, and, and that was, it was yeah. super violent. Yeah, the X-Men are cool. Yeah, it, not... Just him. He's the only one. I like. <laughs> but okay. That, that's me. It just doesn't really fit into my genre. Like I said to you, I, I like to, I like the suspense, the psychological thrillers. I like, I like action adventure movies. Um, for me, my my movie defining moment. Like I remember when I was a kid, there was two. The first one was I saw Superman in the theater when I was a kid. And the Christopher Reeves one. Yeah, the Christopher Reeves one, and I was bored to tears. I just, I couldn't do it. But then. Conversely, I'm that little kid in the front row, and this is how old Mark is, in 1977, staring up at the screen as Darth Vader comes through the door, right, uh, on Princess mm -hmm. Leia. And that right there, for for me, it was Star Wars. Me too. Everything, everything was Star Wars. Like, 100%. Crazy. Oh, so that's that, why you don't like superheroes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, You're a Star Wars person. Yeah, I'm a Star Wars guy, yeah. Okay, is there, is that's there a, all right. Is that a yeah. thing? You can't be I both. So. Uh, well, and it's funny too because you, you find that most people, 
like there's always an at odds, right? Star Wars, Star Trek, which one's better, and and things yeah. like that. And um, bar, barring, um, hold on one, one second here. I just need to before I put my foot right in my mouth. Um, <laughs> barring one episode of Star Trek Discovery in 2019 called New Eden, um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like any of the Star Trek. That's the only one that's any good for me. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the one you were in, Claire. In case yeah. you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but no, I've I've seen most of the Star Trek movies and and I do like them um, as my but not Star Wars for whatever reason had that special place in my heart. Um, even the one with yeah. Jar Jar Binks, you know, we try to forget that that happened, but you know, I sat through all of the first three Star Wars movies at the uh, the Square One movie theaters back in the day. They had them playing one after the other. It was awesome. Yeah, ah, it was good times. Anyway, I have a wow. question for you, Claire. Okay, what is your dream role? And I don't mean director, producer. I mean, like as an actress, what would you be? As what would be actress. your dream role? Well. I really want to, I love um, historical fashion and like Victorian style period dramas. So I really want to play Queen Sophia Charlotte. She was the first biracial queen of England. And I feel like no one ever talks about her story. And I only learned about her after like Meghan Markle started becoming a thing. So she's on my vision board. I, I, I really want to play Queen Sophia Charlotte. Wow. I feel like we look creepishly alike. Like, and I would love to see a movie made about her and I would love to play her. I started learning German just to play her so that I can put it on my resume so that I then become like the only candidate to play this role. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. That is, that is <laughs> I, you know, I'm so happy that you are young and really interested in your future. Thank you. It sounds funny because, again, when I was 17 years old, my guidance counselor in high school did me no good. Um, I was moved around a lot, so I didn't really have any direction of what I wanted to do. I ended up moving the day after high school back to Canada because I was living in Vermont at the time. Um, literally a day after I graduated, I, I left the country and came back home to Canada and started from scratch. You know, there was no jumpstart. There's no uh, foresight into that planning that really is important. And you've taken that to the level to the point where you're learning a language to play a specific role that isn't even created yet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's going to happen because you're manifesting it to happen. You're, yeah. you're doing the right things to make these things happen. And I have full confidence that, you know, within two years, there'll be things in place to make that happen for you. I think I'm, that's so exciting. I want to be able to see it. I want to be around to see it. That's what I want. Yeah. Thank uh, you so, so much. So if James Cameron's watching and he wants to make that movie that we, wait a minute, you're over here. This, yeah. <laughs> we, we have your right here. I, I think that's such an awesome goal. Um, I think it's super cool. Like I've always been into period drama movies and stuff like that. I don't know. I just like them. Uh, I guess yeah. for the same reason, uh, why you like Spider-Man, the romanticists of it. It's just, there's, there's something about it. Um, so like things like Pride and Prejudice and, you know, uh, other period yeah. pieces I watched. Uh, I think it was not Mary Antoinette. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, I know that one. I watched that one, but there was there was one about one of the queens that I, I watched recently. Uh, the, there was the other Boleyn girl... 
I think it's like uh, Mary Queen of Scots, like all those kinds of movies I, I've always found very interesting. And I would just love to, to hear that story uh, being told. Um, and uh, I really, really hope that happens for you. I think that's that's awesome. Thanks. You're making well, great connections and stuff. I'll come back on the so. show and tell you what it was like. Yeah, yeah sure you will. We uh, will be a rich, famous celebrity. You'll be like, these guys. Like, <laughs> no, everybody does that. I'm definitely not going to do that. <laughs> Like one of the guys lived in Thunder Bay, for God's sake. <laughs> Where did they find him? You know, <laughs> but, uh, no, maybe you know if it, if if nobody's making that movie, you're you're going to be a filmmaker. Maybe you could make it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be very cool. Yeah, I would love to. Well, yeah, even if like just like to learn the way of walking and the way of speaking and the way of dressing and like just carrying yourself, like what Aurora was saying, like. No one does that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to think about how much we've progressed and changed. And I don't know, like I would just love to step back into that world. And honestly, being biracial, it's really hard to find any role that I can relate to or look like. And this is the first one where I'm like, I cannot believe there's a historical figure that looks so much like me and that I could play. Like that's never been done before. So that's a huge reason also why I became interested in this role. Now, have you done research into her personality and character? Like, did she go around beheading slaves or something? Because that wouldn't be a good no, role that you'd no. be a part of. No, like, no. I, I know that sounds really stupid, but there's a lot of very historical people that you look back on and you're like, these are actually pretty awful people when you when you start to learn about them. Have you done that research yeah. into who she is and, and so on? Like, is she a, a role worth creating? Yeah, she's actually... Honestly, I don't know what the movie would even be about because it seems like her life was pretty simple. Like she was she was the first biracial queen, but no one knew until years later, which could be interesting. And I mean, you can twist it however you want. And if I end up writing it, I'm sure it'll be a whole other thing. But like from what I've read, her personality was that she was very shy in big group things like parties and things. But then when she spoke to her alone, you could get her talking forever. But also she got married when she was 14 and she was not, she couldn't speak any English. She was fully German, which is why I'm learning German. And so she didn't really know what she was stepping into. But also there's a lot of confusion when I was looking into her past about who her parents are because she's biologically royal. So I don't know how she's biracial. Like hmm. I don't know who her mom was and all of the rest of her siblings aren't biracial. And I don't, like it was totally mulled over. It was just like a rumor. And there was this whole thing too about how certain painters would make her look whiter. And there are only some painters, like there was one painter actually that painted her as she was. And when he painted her as she was, she looks exactly like me. Hmm. It's really, really creepy. And so, yeah. Definitely a story to dig into for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I hope you get it done. That's cool. And, and the yeah, fact that yeah. there isn't a whole lot, I mean, obviously it means that there wasn't a whole lot of drama that happened. So hey, you could always drop the whole but, loosely based on a real story gimmick and yeah. just make it anything you want well, it to be. But you can make that anything, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And there's also, I'm, I'm sure there would have been a lot of struggle as well uh, in that, like just explaining that the most of the people that painted her were painting her, you know, um, more the prejudice right there. she actually was. So that's showing, mm -hmm. you know, the prejudice that was happening there. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that that 
I mean, is only the painting side of it. There, there's so much more yeah. than that too. Yeah. yeah. She was the last queen of America too. Like, yeah. it's very interesting. I haven't even scratched the surface. Like, I really do want to start looking into her more and play her. Maybe make the movie. Who knows? Yeah. Neat. That'd be awesome. Thank you. So uh, we're getting close to the end of our show, uh, but uh, does Brian or Mark have any last questions for Claire before we step into our last three? Mark? Yeah, so I was just curious. So you've got the um, the short film, the psychological uh, thriller that you're going into production of uh, this year. Um, do you have any other scripts that are written that you um, that you've got completed or ideas um, things that you're going to you know push towards to get uh, into production? Yeah, well, I have a lot of ideas, but I'm notorious for starting a whole bunch of different projects and never finishing anything. And I feel like I've been able to like kind of squash that habit recently, but. It's only because I'm not letting my mind go there yet. Like I'm starting to just, I'm trying to stay narrow and stained this one project and keep pushing for it until it becomes a feature film. And then I'm going to dig into my archives of all of my other ideas and like rough scripts that I've put together, but they're all in the same psychological thriller genre. Very cool. So yeah. Thank that's you. your bag. So that's your good. That's good. Um, my question would be, vibing off your very positive personality and your very upbeat kind of vibe, what are your Thank tricks you. for staying positive? Because I know it's not all happiness and sunshine and rainbows. Um, what do you do when you're in those moments where you're just spiraling? We all spiral. Something triggers mm -hmm. you. Do you have a trick that helps bring you out of stuff like that? Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I mean, you're a younger person and the stresses on people your age, I can't even fathom. When I was 17, yeah. we didn't have internet. We didn't have, uh, we barely had cable, to be honest. Like my world mm -hmm. was much smaller. I lived in Vermont yeah. at the time, like I was saying. Um, the craziest stuff we did was go for a drive in the car and drive off the road, push it off into the road again, keep on driving. Like it was not, we didn't have to worry about drive-bys. We didn't have to worry about kids bringing guns to schools. We didn't have to worry about um, racist issues at all. I was in Vermont. There was like literally nothing. I mean, I was picked on yeah. for being Canadian maybe once, but <laughs> that's a whole different <laughs> thing. But the pressures today are so different and I can only imagine. So what do you do as a younger yeah. person today to keep yourself positive? Well, I mean, it sounds cliche. If I if I ever find myself in a time where I'm really stressed or really anxious, I breathe. <laughs> like my mom actually recently practiced, like taught me a lot of breathing tricks because with everything going on right now, I, I'm really excited, but I'm really like hyper as well. And like, it's easy to get overwhelmed. So with that type of stuff, breathing, but with like, racism or bullying or just like different things online i suppose i had experienced a lot of that when i was growing up in a small town with big dreams it's so cliche but i was growing up in a small town with big dreams and no one understood so i had my outlets and i had my supportive family so that was a huge thing so i guess whenever i found myself like feeling overwhelmed with that like 
it was pretty bad. I couldn't go anywhere. Everybody knew who I was and everybody would mock me everywhere I went hmm. and like walking through, I couldn't walk through the halls. It was insane. That's a huge reason also why I started doing homeschool so that I didn't have to have that going on at all. Really? Um, yeah, it was really bad, but that's why I'm so driven and that's why I planned everything out for my life is because I didn't have friends to focus on and I didn't have like different positive experiences with peers it was just a lot of hate and I didn't really buy into that I didn't go into that at all so I feel like growing up that way for my entire life was a really good way to help me to build this armor and not like a negative armor but just like it made me a lot stronger so now when things come up it's just like okay breathe like it's okay I'm gonna be okay it just means that you're meant for great things so yeah. Great attitude. Great attitude. That's awesome. Thank you. Seriously. Very mature outlook. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sorry to hear about, you know, that, uh, you know, the bullying and stuff that you experience, like coming from somebody who actually experienced that quite a bit myself when I was younger. Uh, it's really tough. But then you find, you know, that core group of people that's there for you. You find your passions through that and you can use that as an outlet and and it it uh, makes your life better. Gives right? you confidence so, that you're good at something. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And I feel like a lot of that stemmed from jealousy because you're extremely talented and very accomplished for someone your age. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that... Uh, you know, those people who were, you know, making fun of you or picking on you, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot Thank of that you. could come from, you know, jealous. just being jealous of you yeah. because you're awesome. Uh, you're killing it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so so. Are you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have one question before we get into our three questions. Um, and I hope it's going to be pretty quick because I know we have uh, only a few minutes left to go. But um, we didn't talk at all really about your YouTube channel um, oh, and uh, why you started it and what it is you do. Could you give maybe like a little summarization of? why you started sure. it, what you do on your channel, and, and yeah. Yeah, well, I just do lifestyle videos now. I used to do more of a variety. Um, it was my main focus when I lived in my small town, which is why everybody knew who I was. But the thing is, is it started off just as a way to kind of build a fan base so that when I started doing other things like acting and filmmaking, I had people to watch. Um, but then recently, it's just kind of become an outlet. Like, I do inspire people, which is a huge passion of mine. I really love just carving the path for people. And even after moving away from my small town, I found a lot of those people are starting to go down this path as well, which is cool because they wouldn't have been able to do that before because it was frowned upon. And now it's cool because I'm actually successful and they can see that. And I'm really happy that I did that. Oh, thank you. But anyway, so, so yeah, now I just kind of post weekly videos to brighten people's days. And then also just, I love creating content and branding and all of the different things. So it's fun for me. And I, I just, I do at least one video every week and I've been doing that for like five years. So yeah. 
That's awesome. And staying consistent is is super important um, when you're creating content like like that, um, for sure. Um, I've definitely watched a few of your videos, and I, I think they're fun and lighthearted, and um, yeah, like you know, talk about fashion and get get ready with me kind of uh, type of stuff. So yeah, definitely really cool. So. I now, wanted to touch on that before. Did we... you say you took heat in school for your YouTube videos? Yeah. <laughs> how is that a how is that a thing? Like I was, I had haters and things because of my YouTube channel. That's what you mean. Yeah, like, but you're you're just. So we we fun. actually received quite a bit of hate on one of our videos because of one of the guests that we have. Are you talking about like people on YouTube causing the hate, or was it? It was like in your uh, school. People from your school. Oh, okay. Well, there's both because the thing is, is there I would get hate comments and things, and it's easier to brush it off when you don't know them, and it's like, okay, fine, like you have your opinions. But then, since it was such a small town, everybody knew everyone, so I would realize that it was not just a random hater. It was like the cousin of my friends, you know, friends, friends, and and then it was like they were all at school and. I'm a very strong personality and I'm definitely more bubbly now. Like in school, I was really hard edge, I guess, against a lot of people because they all would be so mean and I didn't really want to open up to anyone. And I'm a much better at that now, but it's because I'm getting better responses now. I couldn't really mm -hmm. do anything back then. Like I tried, but I would just get rejected or shut down or hated on. Right. So with my YouTube channel, it was just a way to, I gained a lot of fans, I guess, like supporters who then now are inspired to follow their dreams because of me, which is amazing. So I focused on them. But with the other people, there were hordes of kids who went to my school, who were older than me, who would torment me and taunt me and like yell out things to me in the hall. And like, it was awful. And anywhere I went, because everybody, like there was one mall there was one like Rio Can Center. There was one everything. So every time I wanted to do something, people would take photos of me and like make fun of me. And like it was awful. It was oh. awful. But I never stopped the YouTuber because I wanted to keep inspiring the people who didn't who know. Mattered. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I, yeah. I feel like it, you you touched on this uh, a few minutes ago when you said that now it's cool to be a content creator. I think a lot of YouTubers, <laughs> especially like OG YouTubers from like 15 years ago, um, you know, they get a lot of hate from people in their life, um, as well as like other people who kind of knew them as an acquaintance. Like, is that a real career? What are you doing? You're putting your life up on the internet and, and teasing and stuff like that. Uh, but now it's become such a prevalent thing. And Everybody who has a social media account is a content creator. He's an influencer. Yeah. 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 Um, That's so true. And um, yeah, it's tough because, you know, six years ago, you said it's when you started. So there was still mm -hmm. quite a bit of that, you know, stigma and quite a bit of people who were, you know, negative about that. And it's, it's just mm -hmm. a creative outlet. So it shouldn't be that way. Well, good for you for sticking to it because that got you invited onto our show, which is yeah. like the, the pinnacle <laughs> of, of celebrity on. status, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you had if you had stopped then, I mean, it would have been over, right? <laughs> it's all just to get on our show. 
that's awesome. Okay, uh, so I have three questions for you, Claire, because um, we're right at the end of, uh, of our time here. Uh, the okay. first question is, what is your jam? What is that song that gets you like pumped up and excited, even just like ready to create and, and, and keep you mo motivated? What is that song that's your go-to? It's super Okay, well, I love a lot of 80s songs, but I guess the one song that weirdly has been like my obsession forever and I didn't even realize until recently is a song called Do Right. And it's by, I think their name is Gladys. But it's like a like a DJ pop song. It's super random. I don't even know. Like, I don't even understand. But like, I guess I started listening to it when I used to drive to set when I was in seventh grade, and that was like my first taste of being an actress. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And then I would listen to that song, and then even now I listen to that song. So it's that song. I'm listening to it right now. Yeah. When a song is connected that heavily to a memory, right? It always mm -hmm. becomes that, you know, yeah, that close the, to you. The song becomes part of that core memory that you've got, and it's uh, mm -hmm. whatever. If you if you hear that song, um, you'll you'll always re remember that life event and that positive thing that happened to you. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely, you've got that you've got music connected to a a core memory like that. I love that. That's awesome. You, you mentioned 80 songs. Is there any like off the top of your head that you mm, walking on sunshine? Okay. Nice. Trina and the waves. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, the next question is what is your tool of the trade? Um, so this can be a physical object that's like, you know, actually like a tool, uh, but it could also be something that's kind of like, uh, you know, like a concept or something. What is that, um, that tool that you use every time you want to create, every time you want to be creative, make something, act, Ooh, whatever okay. it may be. What is your tool? Um, my tool dreams what well, I have dreams really vivid dreams and typically that turns into a script or it turns into the way I want to portray a character or something like that like I can always depend on having a dream it's very strange but I would say that's how I've come up with a lot of my best concepts that is so cool so do you keep like a dream journal by your bed and like you know like I usually make down? notes in my phone okay yeah well, yeah i guess I that makes sense my phone. yeah and also i talk to my mom every time i wake up she's really into deep conversations we have a lot of deep conversations together but i'll have a dream and then i'll wake up and tell her immediately and we kind of analyze it together and pull out key themes and things like that and this probably came from this in life and this probably came from that and this is what you should do with it like she's really my sounding board for things so yeah, that's usually how it goes. It's awesome. Really, really cool. I like that. That is cool. That. cool. <laughs> that is cool. I, um, I, I feel that most of my dreams with you will be like, who wrote this, Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying most of my dreams are inspired by my mom, but not in a good way. So. <laughs> Move forward. <laughs> that's, 
other, we're gonna have a therapist on a show yes. going forward. And Ryan and I are gonna talk about our talk about <laughs> our moms. Yeah, exactly. You know that might actually be an interesting episode. Actually, inviting. I wanted to have on. my mother you on the show. Want to see Mark cry on, <laughs> on YouTube? Yeah. Nobody wants to see Mark cry. <laughs> <laughs> the more I thought um, about it, the more I was like, no, no. All right. Um, and the last question, Claire, you already know. Um. Each week, we ask our guests uh, to issue a challenge to our listeners and our viewers. Um, so what is the challenge that you would like to uh, give to our listeners and viewers? Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess on the way of just like being creative and like getting ideas and things, I would say to create a space, if you don't already have one, that you know you can go into and just be creative all of the time. Like I'm in it right now. I have this office, which I, I have all of my equipment and stuff in, but there's just something about the vibe in here. Like I have a candle that I light and it's like the scent and I have a record player. So sometimes I play records and depending on what I'm doing, but I just have everything that I need, like at a quick reach so that I can stay in the zone of things. So I would say that that's my challenge. If you don't already have a space, create a space. A creator's space. Creator's space. Yeah. I like it. That's, I like it. that's a really good piece of advice. And I think a lot of people struggle with this if they are doing something creative from home. Because it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to separate, you know, uh, you know, relaxing at home or doing chores, making dinner and that kind of thing from what you're actually trying to creatively focus on. So if you have this place you can kind of zone into it um mm -hmm. and you clear it out and make it specifically for that um mm -hmm. i feel like you could be a lot more productive that Definitely. way yeah for sure well sure. that that means i need to get mine finished because it's well actually my, mine is finished that that room is done but there's another room that's not finished and all the stuff from the unfinished room is in that room so oh, okay <laughs> this is a bit crowded I need to finish the other room, <laughs> including all the floor and everything for the room that's unfinished is in my creative space. So, so you got a ways to go oh. before you can be creative. I better get on. That yeah, one. really. Yeah. <laughs> that you, thing going. You need a day off first. So <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you ever when you retire, don't come out of retirement. It's just not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mark was just working for a company for a long time. He retired, and now he's working for another company. And I think it happened a bit too soon. Uh, the timing was Whoa. right, but it was. Um, I was 27 years with the company, and then I retired, and um, I took my first Christmas off since 1984. So that was really, really nice. Uh, and now I'm with wow. another company, and I have a fantastic team. Um, so I, they they really do make my job easy, especially since I'm a new guy and I have no idea what I'm doing. So um, they're they're getting there. They're teaching me. They're molding me. Uh, who knows if they're teaching me right? But uh, it seems to be good, and the customers are happy. So we're so far so good. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so thank you so much, Claire, for being on the show. Um, this has been a really great conversation. We've had so many great uh, discussions throughout this. And I'm just so happy that you could be on. Uh, super inspiring. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug, um, like social media accounts where can people follow you or find your videos? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my name on every platform is Claire Cute with a Q. And then also I've linked the Instagram account for my short film in my bio on Instagram. So 
you could go follow that if you are interested in seeing where this goes. We haven't started actively using it yet, but we just entered like closer to production phase. So we should be posting lots of updates on there soon. And then also on my main Instagram and YouTube. Awesome. Oh, awesome. and I, I was recently in a web series, which is supposed to inspire young girls to get into STEM. And it's really amazing. Like we did the teaser for it years ago and then it recently got picked up. So we filmed that, like a season of that last summer. That's um, uh, that Lady Ada's, what's the, yeah. the full? Lady Ada's Society. Yeah, it's really cool. I play one of the main characters, Francis, and that's coming out on YouTube in the spring. Really great. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'd like to plug our stuff. Um, so uh, please, uh, if you like our videos or like our, um, you know, podcasts on Spotify, please share with people you know or share on social media. Uh, you can follow us on at Expressions of Podcast on Instagram and I think at Expressions Pod on Twitter, which we don't do a whole lot with, and Expressions of Podcast on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that. that. Before we go, I do want to say one last thing. Yes. Claire, do me a favor. When you're done this conversation, go up to your mother and just give her a big high five. Because okay. I'm Mark and I, and I don't know about Aurora's situation, but Mark and I certainly have had um, conversations about the benefits of having parents that are completely encouraging and giving. And you are proof how that could really help when you have parents who are very giving and want to help their children and raise them up the way that they have raised you, uh, it's amazing to see. And I just want your mom to have a high five from me personally. Mm. Uh, well fun. done. <laughs> well done. And your dad too. But I mean, we've talked more about your mom, so I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I feel like your mom is okay. your biggest fan, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. She's amazing. That's great. I'll do that. Please. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you again for being here. Thank you for yes. having me. This has been so fun. It's been a great conversation. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone.